folks, welcome to episode 168 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray, and I'm back again with you uh, for another week. Had the week off last week, uh, but we did bring uh, the last part of Camilla's three-part look into cybersecurity buzzwords. Hope you all enjoyed that. This week, we are going to go straight into the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases over the past two weeks. We've got a fair bit to get through there. Plus, we'll also do a quick look at uh, analysis of a new malware sample that was done by Inteza. Uh, we talked a few weeks ago about uh, Symbiote, and this week they've got uh, another malware sample called Orbit that they've detailed. So I thought it'd be interesting to look into that one and kind of see how it compares. But yeah, let's get straight into uh, the look at security fixes from the last couple of weeks. There were 52 unique CVEs that were addressed by the team, and up first was an update for Cloud Init. Now, this is a component that was originally developed by Canonical, uh, but is now widely used uh, by many of the public clouds for configuring uh, cloud images on first boot. Basically, uh, not just cloud images, but even uh, you know, VMs and all the kind of thing that you may be using yourselves. It has a YAML-based uh, declarative syntax that you can then use to configure your VMs so that you know, required packages or required users are set up, all the various things that you might need to do uh, on first boot. In this case, uh, for uh, newer versions, when validating uh, older configurations, uh, if there were invalid entries in there, it would log those. Uh, you know, I can imagine that is quite useful so that you can then see that. However, if one of those was actually a password, then the password would get logged in the clear. And unfortunately, cloud init logs are world readables that would then allow an unprivileged user to potentially uh, see that password. This was then fixed to instead just log a generic error message with details then on how to obtain uh, the full schema errors that you could then look up later through a privileged command. Uh, we had an update as well for libjpeg 6b or our 1404 extended security maintenance customers uh, fixing five different CVEs here. All of these were various denial of service issues that could be triggered through uh, crafted images, you know, JPEGs, PPMs, or Targa files. In that case, there was uh, out-of-bounds read, excessive memory consumption, and the like that could then result in uh, those applications crashing. Someone has still been continuing on finding lots of new vulnerabilities in Vim, which actually seems to be one of the most updated packages lately that we are focusing on. Uh, yeah, so people are basically fuzzing Vim because it is part of a bug bounty, so you can get some bug bounty cash for doing that and finding various different uh, bugs there that can be triggered. Uh, all of these memory corruption issues that could result in denial of service or possible uh, you know, remote code execution attacks against Vim uh, are loading crafted files. Curl was updated for our extended security maintenance customers, 1404 and 1604 extended security maintenance uh, for a couple of vulnerabilities that I've talked about previously back in episode 166. Uh, had some kernel updates uh, for our OEM kernels uh, for the various MMIO stale data vulnerabilities that I talked about back in episode 165 for Intel. Uh, there was also uh, an update for our 5.4 and 5.13 hardware enablement kernels in Ubuntu releases 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support respectively for a, a double free in the eight devices USB to CAN driver that could then result in a crash and denial of service. We also updated uh, the kernel for 604 extended security maintenance customers. Uh, that's the 4.4 general availability kernel that was available for uh, 604 when it was first released, plus uh, the AWS uh, specific kernel there. This is, has the usual mix of issues that we see in various drivers, uh, a lot of things like use after freeze due to various race conditions. Uh, there was an information leak due to uninitialized memory, all of these leading to things like denial of service or possible code execution. Django was updated for a possible SQL injection for 18.04, 20.04, 21.10, and 22.04 long-term support releases. In this case, if you were using the trunk or extract database functions with untrusted data, that could then result in SQL injection against your Django. 
PHP was updated for our 604 extended security maintenance customers for a couple of volumes that I talked about back in episode 164. Uh, related to that, those same two fixes actually resulted in a regression for our 1804 long-term support users. So an update was done for that as well for PHP. OpenSSL was updated for a vulnerability where it uh, mishandled uh, AES OCB mode, which is the offset cookbook mode. This is a mode that combines both authentication with encryption. That's a mode unlike, say, CBC, cipher block chaining, where it only does encryption, doesn't support authentication as well. In this case, uh, various 32-bit x86 platforms have uh, AESNI, that's the hardware accelerated uh, AES implementation in uh, the actual processor. So there's various instructions that uh, OpenSSL can use to make that a lot faster. However, on those platforms, it would possibly miss one block of data, uh, the 16-byte blocks, and therefore leave your know, one 16-byte uh, block of data being unencrypted and yeah, sent in the clear. Uh, but again, because it's uh, 32-bit x86, probably affects only a small number of users, but it's been fixed nonetheless. Uh, GNU PG was updated for a single vulnerability where uh, it was possible to craft signed data such that on attempting to verify it, uh, GPG would display output that would appear to show that the message was correctly signed when in fact it was not. Uh, in this case, you could then obviously trick the user or some other application that's calling uh, GNU PG into thinking that it was correctly signed when it wasn't. And that's for all of our uh, releases going all the way back to 44 Extended Security Maintenance. Uh, OpenSSL was updated for a single vulnerability for our 604 extended security maintenance customers for a vulnerability that I talked about back in episode 165. The kernel was updated for our extended security maintenance customers for 404 and 604 extended security maintenance. This is a 4.4 based kernel that is used as, uh, in particular, in this case, as the KVM kernel. So that's a virtualization for 604 extended security maintenance, as well as the hardware enablement kernel for 404 extended security maintenance. Uh, this was uh, 19 different CVs were rolled into this by the kernel team. Thank you guys for all of your awesome work on this. Uh, that includes obviously a huge number of fixes, things like uh, the Intel MMIO stale data vulnerabilities that we talked about before and you know, a heap of other stuff that we've talked about in recent episodes as well. The NSS crypto library was updated for a bunch of releases 1804, 2004, 2204, long-term support and 2110. A couple of different issues here, a crash on an empty PKCS7 sequence that would result in a denial of service plus a possible free of an invalid pointer. That would then likely result in a crash and therefore denial of service. However, a possible you know, code execution if you can be manipulating uh, heap memory in the right way. Vim was updated yet again for our 604 extended security maintenance customers. Uh, so we had one last week and one this week. Uh, you know, more Vim CVs there. Dovecot was updated for our uh, 1804, and for long-term support and 2110 uh, releases. In this case, it was uh, an unlikely but possible privilege escalation when using uh, similar PassDB configuration entries for both the primary and non-primary uh, entries. In this case, you know, it's unlikely that you're using very similar configurations for those, but essentially Dovecot would get confused between the two and could then result in uh, the non-primary configuration allowing uh, unprivileged users to access as the primary configuration that was fixed. Uh, just a few want to go through. Python LDAP was updated as well for a regular expression denial of service issue. In this case, uh, when using LDAP.schema to validate untrusted schemas, uh, you could then tr uh, cause it to trigger you know, excessive uh, CPU and memory usage through a crafted, uh, crafted input that would be used on this uh, vulnerable regular expression. 
Uh, X server was updated as well, again, all the way back to 604 exchange crew maintenance uh, for a couple different issues where uh, out-of-bounds reads could be triggered uh, via untrusted clients in the X server, and therefore you could cause the X server to crash or expose sensitive info. And finally, the ORI parser library was updated for a couple of vulnerabilities in uh, 1804 long-term support. This is a library written in C for parsing uh, RFC 3986 uh, compliant URIs. Not surprisingly, being written in C, uh, which is a memory unsafe language, it contained a couple different uh, memory management issues that could be triggered through crafted input. Uh, and both of those would result in use after freeze, therefore uh, denial of service because you'd probably likely crash the applications using that or possible uh, code execution as well. So that is it for the last couple of weeks in security updates. Okay, so the other thing I want to talk about this week is this Orbit malware that uh, Intesa has published a teardown of. Another piece of malware that we covered recently was Symbiote. That was also uh, the teardown of that was done by Intesa as well. We talked about that back in episode 163. Uh, this is similar. So like Symbiote, uh, the dropper component for this targets arbitrary binaries via the linker. However, Symbiote used uh, the LD preload environment variable to do that. Instead, uh, this new uh, Orbit malware actually instructs the dynamic, dynamic linker via the etc. ldso.preload file. Uh, that actually has various benefits because uh, LD preload environment variable that uh, Symbiote used has various restrictions on it around set UID binaries. So effectively, that gets scrubbed. However, that is not the case for uh, this file under uh, slash etc. or slash etsy, depending on how you pronounce that, which means that all binaries, including set UID root ones, are, are effectively infected by this uh, through the linker so that when they're executed, uh, you know this the um, malware component runs as well. Uh, this payload then of the malware goes on to hook various functions from libc and libpcap and libpam. And that means then any other binaries that are using those then use its uh, you know, malicious versions of those functions rather than uh, the real ones from those libraries. As a result of doing that, through things like libpam, it can harvest credentials uh, when you're doing a SSH login. Uh, it can evade detection via hooking libpcap and making sure that you say network packets from itself aren't visible. And it can also gain persistence and remote access. So things like hooking libc, then it allows it to hook functions like reader that's used when listing the contents of a directory. You can imagine then it's able to hide in plain sight because it just basically omits the contents or it emits its own files from results of reader. Uh, similarly, for things like it hooks uh, execve, which is used when executing some other binary, it actually then goes to look at what uh, binary is being executed. And if that is, say, IP or IP tables or even strace, uh, it then goes and modifies the output of any of those commands. So again, you can't see that it's there and running. Uh, so as we discussed with Symbiote, uh, even though this does go to great lengths to hide in plain sight, as I've detailed, uh, you can actually still detect it through offline forensic analysis. Obviously, if you're trying to do this online where it's hooking all of your functions, you're not going to be able to see it. But if you can you know, turn your machine off and get a disk image or just get a disk image anyway and then analyze that, you'll be able to see its files there in plain sight. It is interesting to see similar techniques, I guess, used across uh, these various malware samples. Uh, I like the teardown that was done for Symbiote. There's no details here on how the initial compromise is done. In this case, you know, to be able to uh, 
get access to, etc. LD to sort of preload, uh, you need to be root in the first place. So it has to either compromise some application that's already running as root or compromise some other unprivileged application and then be able to escalate its privileges to root. Uh, likely these are internet facing applications in the first place. And so then, uh, at least to my mind, it gives a lot of benefit to systems like AppArmor uh, to do mandatory access control, where you can effectively sandbox these things so that they only have access to the things they need. And that means then, you know, almost basically no application needs access to such etc. So it's already sort of preload. So you can uh, confine all of those so they don't have access to that. And that means then, you know, even if they are exploited, they can't go and then use that as a technique to go and further exploit your machine or gain persistence and the like. Uh, so yeah, things like principle of least authority is you know one of those basic tenets of good security as is defense in depth. And so yeah, by using things like AppArmor, we can achieve both of those. Uh, you know, and that makes me actually think of even of things like Snaps, where we integrate both AppArmor plus SecComp and other ways of sandboxing. Uh, you know, these are the the techniques of the future that will allow uh, systems to be more resilient to being compromised. All right, I've got a link in the show notes if you want to go and dig up the details on that and read more into it, but I thought that was another interesting one to look at. The other thing that I did want to mention this week is that the Ubuntu 21.10, the interim release, or the, the most recent interim release, Impish Indri, is now end of life. It officially went end of life yesterday on the 14th of July. As a result, it's no longer going to receive security or bug fix updates and the like. Uh, so you should be upgrading. If you have any machines with that uh, still running, you should be upgrading to uh, the most recent LTS release, Ubuntu 2204 long-term support. This comes with five years of standard support plus five years of extended security maintenance as well. That uh, extended security maintenance is free for personal use on up to three machines. So yeah, definitely be upgrading to that. That will then give you 10 years total of security and bug fix support as a result. So yeah, if you haven't uh, upgraded to 2204 LTS immediately on your uh, 2110 machines. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening again for another week. That takes us to the end of this week's episode. If you want to get in contact with the team, you can reach us at securityubuntu.com. We do hang out in the Ubuntu security channel on libero.chat, and we are on Twitter at Ubuntu underscore sec as well. I'll be with you all again next week, but until then, remember, keep calm, because we've got your back, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.